0: And so, this series is going to help us explore what it means to put off all of our striving and trying to do and just be. So, we're going to jump into this in May, and I'm good to hear. In May of 2005, the rapper, known as Common Sense, released his sixth studio album, entitled, oh man, I thought I had some more help here today. (laughs) He released his sixth studio album entitled B. Now this album is considered the revival of his musical career and his transition from underground rap into pop culture. Before he released this album, he was not in any movies. Before he released this album, he was not hosting any award shows. But after this album, it was a revival of his musical career and it propelled him into pop culture. This album was filled with Melodic tracks produced mostly by his friend and new record label executive, Kanye West. Y'all know who Kanye West is. Don't have to explain him to y'all. The intro song to this album was also entitled B. And it featured a deconstructed track produced by Kanye West which starts out with the simplistic plucking of the cello. You hear it. And from there, the plucking becomes more intricate and a synthesized keyboard jumps onto the track, followed by the composed tickling of the piano's ivories. Finally, the producer unloads a fully composed track with the introduction of orchestra strings and bass drums. And then the rapper Common jumps on the track with a shortly sweet verse that ends with that beautiful line, never looking back or too far in front of me. The present is a gift and I just want to be. Anybody in here just want to be? We're the people who who are tired of having to strive and pretend to be something that they're not and and striving to meet up to people's expectations of them and and striving to 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 live a perfect life and and do all the things that that God doesn't require of us. But we walk inside of this reality and we get to just be and that's what the series is going to help us to explore today, because the big idea of the series is this. Jesus came to the earth not only to die for our sins. Yes, he did come to die for our sins. And that's the most important piece is that he came to free us from our sins. But also he came to show us how to be. See, Jesus came to show us and he invited us to live the life that he lived and to be like him. So this passage, this, this series is going to walk us into the realities of what it looks like to stop doing and start being. See, so see, the problem of our culture is that we walk inside of an existence that is more validated by doing than by being. And Jesus came to upset that notion of, of doing as the gateway to the Father's embrace. No, he said that in Jesus, he breaks the mold of what it means to find entrance into the potential and purpose of God, not by doing, but by being. And that's what this, we're going to explore in this, this series as we walk this through. And, and the way that we're going to do that today, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 in verse 7. So if you've got your Bibles turned there. If not, we'll have it up for you on the screens. I got one, one verse for you today, so that means I'm going to be out of your way very quickly because I know it's Labor Day and y'all want to go and eat hamburgers and all that other stuff. So here are the words of our father. He says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. See, the Lord Yahweh brought forth out of the dust of the ground and he brought forth life from the dust. The Lord fashioned creation out of the dust of the earth and then he took the debris of life and he took the debris of the dirt and he made life, watch this, in his own image. That's good news that God formed something in us out of something that wasn't comparable to him. But then he made us in his image. And so it says here that he formed man. See, the life that you desire is not one that you obtain simply by doing. No, the life that that you desire is obtained by being. And see, the father's pleasure and purpose for us is not found in the fabric of anything that we do, but it's found in the fabric of who he has formed us to be. And I want to drive that home for us today is that it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you are a child of God, you get to be. And so in Matthew chapter three, we see this beautiful story of Jesus' baptism. And in verse 16, it says that when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water and the heaven suddenly opened for him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And verse 17 says this. And this is what I want you to get here. It says a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. See, the beauty of this passage is this. At this point, Jesus hadn't done one miracle. See, at this point, Jesus hadn't healed anybody. At this point, Jesus hadn't turned any water into wine. At this point, Jesus hadn't made any blind eyes to see. At this point, he hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. At this point, he was just busy being a faithful son of God. And in that, the scripture tells us that the heavens opened up and said, this is my beloved son in him. I am well pleased. See, that's good news for some of us, because some of you need to know that today. That simply because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, the father is pleased with you. See, it's simply because of what Jesus has done, what he has accomplished on the cross, God is pleased with you. There's nothing else that you can add to that. There's nothing that you can insert into that. The Father is pleased with you because of what Jesus has done and who he has made you to be. And so we get to grasp that reality and we get to walk in that knowing that God is pleased with us just because of who we are in him. And so, see, I want you to see this picture here. Watch what happens. It says that he formed man out of the dust of the ground. See, this is a careful biblical distinction because dust is different from soil. See, soil is packed with nutrients and minerals and all the good stuff that you need in order for something to grow. So in other words, soil is a viable environment by which something is able to grow. However, the original language here suggests that in this passage, God formed us out of the rubbish or debris portion of the dry earth. See, the rubbish that God formed us from more than likely didn't have the necessary nutrients in order for us to grow in it. The 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 rubbish of the dust that God formed us from didn't have the essential vitamins that we would need in order for something to be formed out of it. So what am I saying? In other words, God made something out of nothing. Don't believe me. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one. Just flip one chapter back and you'll see the story of creation as it begins. In verse number one, he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was, watch this formless and empty in other words there was nothing there and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of god was hovering over the surface of the water verse three this is what i want you to catch here then god said let there be light and there was light I wish I had two or three believers in here who knew that it's all God has to do is say, let there be and everything will change. I wish I had some people in here who believe that all God has to do is say, let there be, let there be no more cancer, and that will happen. All he's got to do is say, let there be no more death, and guess what will happen? There will be no more death. All he's got to say is, let there be no more struggling inside of that relationship that you've been placing all of your trust into, and guess what will happen? It will come to pass. See, we've got to have a let there be in our spirit and know that when God speaks something in our lives, guess what will happen? That same thing that he said will happen. So God is calling us today. Watch this. He's calling us to stop worrying so much about what we need to do. And just be. Be his child. Be his son. Be his daughter. Just be. And see, God desires for us to to do more being than we are doing. Doing, that doesn't make any sense. He calls us to do more being than doing. And so as we walk in this, we've got to understand this and know that it's not about what you do, but it's about who you be. Now, that's not good English, but it's good theology. And so I want us to note that, that we have to stop worrying so much about the stuff that we do. We're trying to change the world for God, and we're trying to do all this stuff. And God, I want you to help me feed all the homeless people in Wilmington, God, all by myself. I don't need no help. Like, God, just let me do it. Like, no. <laughs> like, God saying, stop trying to be, and stop trying to do, and just be. Be my son. Be my daughter. And then it says here that out of the dust of the ground. See, the ground is Earth's visible substance. And so they say that what you see is what you get. But not so with God. See, with God, you get what you don't see if you would just be. See, we spend so much time trying to accomplish what we believe God has called us to do that we don't see that He's calling us to pump our brakes and slow down and just be. And if we don't just stop striving and trying to do everything, we'll miss out on the portion of our relationship with God where He just says, you're my child and I love you. See, I got kids. I got three of them and I love them all and see at a certain point they didn't do anything but poop and cry. That's all they did. They poop and cry and guess what? They would poop and i would be like, it's okay. I got you. Come here. Lift your leg up. I got you. Don't worry about that. Oh, you did a poo poo. Oh, you did a poo poo. Like I'd be excited that they messed all over themselves. (laughs) But that's how God is with us. He watches us mess all over our lives. And he just steps in and says, don't worry about that. I'll clean it up. Don't be concerned. See, even before we're able to do one thing for God, he loved us. Before we were able to do one thing for him, he loved us just because of who we be. Bad English, poor English, I'm sorry, poor English, but good theology. So, what we have to do is understand this, that if we just would stop striving and trying to do everything, then we might actually see God breathe on the thing that we're trying to accomplish. See, what happens is this is my next idea, is that if we're going to be what God has called us to be, then we need him to breathe on that. See, the Lord blew his breath of life into man when he formed him. Verse seven says that out of the dust of the ground, he formed him and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. See, the Lord blew the breath into the nostrils of Adam in order for him to have life. And the reason you haven't seen some of the things that God has called you to be happen in your life yet is because God hasn't breathed on it yet. See, you're so busy striving and trying to make stuff work when God is saying, hold up, I haven't breathed on it yet. That's why we spend so much time chasing after stuff and chasing after careers and jobs and all this kind of stuff. And God said, I ain't breathed on that yet. That's why we spend so much time in wasted relationships, because we haven't got the sense of who God is, and we haven't allowed him to breathe on it yet. So we're going after things and pursuing after stuff that doesn't make any sense. So what happens is, look at this, look at the reason he says, he say, he say, he say, the reason that this stuff has, hasn't happened is because he hasn't breathed on it. And the story of Jesus' commission of disciples in John chapter 20 shows us the importance of God breathing onto things. Verse 19, you pull it up? John 20, there it is. That was fast. Good job. Verse 19, it says, when it was evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. And so Jesus came into the room. Notice he came into a room that had locked doors and he stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side where he would have been pierced. And so, he says to them again, peace to you. And the, he says, as the father has sent me, I also send you. And here's what I want you to catch. Verse 22, he says, after saying this to them, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, there are some things in your life that you need God to breathe on. And see, you might feel like, yeah, God sent me, God is sending me to do this thing. Like, God has called me to do this thing. And that's very true and very accurate. But what you need and what you're missing is God's breathing onto it. And so, watch what happens here when God breathes on the things that you do. Verse 23, he says, After he had breathed on them and and said, "Receive the spirit, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. How can Jesus empower them to do something that was reserved only for God? Like, how does that happen? Jesus got into trouble for doing this himself. Remember the story where, where he was healing the man and, and he told him he, they were expecting Jesus to heal him. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And he said, who does he think he is? Talking about he can forgive somebody's sins. He's not God. I'm paraphrasing. That's the Wilmington version of it. He says, who does who, who, who this choker think he is? He's going to forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And So Jesus says, so that you understand, get up and he healed the man. But from that point, guess what they sought to do? They sought to kill Jesus. Because in saying that he could forgive sins, guess what he's doing? He was letting them know that I'm God. So how is it that he now gives his disciples the power to do something that used to get him into trouble? That's because when God breathes on your being, you'll start to walk in things that are only reserved for God. See, when God breathes on your being... You'll be able to do stuff that you never thought was possible in order for you to do you'll be able to walk into some spheres and some atmospheres and you'll be able to have some relationships with people that you never thought you would have relationships with you never thought you'd be able to obtain access to some stuff but god allows you to walk in certain spaces and walk into certain places that you had no business doing because if we tell the truth we're not actually walking in what god has called us to walk in and when we find ourselves in that place it's only because god is breathing on it You need the breath of God, i.e., you need the, the spirit of God to work in your life. That's what the breath is. It's just the spirit of God working in your life. You need the spirit of God to work in your life. And that's why you can rest in your being instead of toiling in doing. Because unless God breathes on the thing, that you're doing there will be no breath of life in it. In other words you're just going to be the real life version of weekend at Bernie's. I know that went over a whole lot of y'all heads because y'all young but weekend at Bernie's was a movie of these two employees carrying around their employer who had died. They took him to the beach. (laughs) It took him all kinds of places, just walking around dead. He's standing in between the two of them. They hold him like this. He just dead, and they're just walking him around. But when you go around doing stuff that God hasn't breathed on, you're the real-life version of Weekend at Bernie's because you're carrying around something dead, pretending that it's alive. And see, if God doesn't breathe the breath of life in it, you can strive and do whatever you want. It won't come to pass. That goes against the promise of Jesus. He says that I came that you might have life and what? Have it more abundantly. And so Jesus has promised us new life in him and he's promised us an abundant life. So us walking around carrying dead things goes against the very thing that God has promised us that he would give us when we have life in him. So stop carrying around dead things and pursue after the things of God and just have the patience to wait on God to breathe on that thing that he's called you to. That leads me to my last idea, and I'm out your way. It says that he breathed the breath of life on them into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. See, after the Lord blew the breath of life into Adam's nostrils, he became something living. Adam didn't exist until the breath of the Lord came into his body. And life came to pass by the breath of the Lord Yahweh. And so here's the last thing I want you to walk away with for your understanding in this series. Is that when God calls us to be, it's an invitation into becoming. I'll say that over here. When God calls us, because y'all didn't get it over there. When God calls us to be, it's an invitation into becoming. Y'all with me. I appreciate y'all. Y'all real ones. <laughs> See, becoming this invitation into becoming requires patience. See, patience is the essential element in our being. See, if we're not willing to be patient enough to wait for God to breathe on the thing that he's called us to be, then we will never become what he's called us to be because we're constantly rushing ahead of what God has designed us to do. And so what happens is we end up looking like Popeye chicken around here. We might have a good product, we got a tasty chicken sandwich, but guess what? Our lives aren't set up in such a way that we've spent time with God, that we've spent time with Him in becoming who He's called us to be. And so when stuff comes up, you run into stuff and you think that God is doing something in your life, and He is, but you walk around thinking that God is doing this thing right now in your life, and but you think that He's working it out right now, but you haven't spent no time with Him. And so what happens is, is that when God gives you the thing that you think that you want, guess what? You're unprepared for it. And so you start running out of chicken sandwiches. You start running out of chicken sandwiches and your customer service is bad. And you can't keep up with what's happening because the people at Chick-fil-A who spend time with God, the people at Chick-fil-A who are saturated in the right type of stuff, what they're able to do is walk in what God has designed for them because they spend time with him. And they had the patience enough to know that, listen, sometimes I got to take a day off from doing. Sometimes I got to take a day off on Sundays from doing and just be. See, when we get that in our spirit and we start to understand that God is working in us, but that requires us to just rest in him and be in him, then we'll be able to become what he's calling us to be. We got to stop rushing in this stuff. got to start rushing into things that God hasn't breathed on yet. You don't have the right relationship with him yet. You don't have the right type of structure in your life. You think God's called you to be the next Billy Graham, but you don't even pray. How'd that work? Like it, it doesn't work like that. We got to spend Time with God, and so we can be watch this, only because we know. First John three helps us with this. First one, it says, "I see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. We are right now the children of God. If you're in Christ, guess what? You are his child. And we see the great love of the father that he's called us his children. And the reason the world don't know us is because it didn't know him. That's okay. Verse 2 is what I want you to capture. It says, dear beloved, we are God's children now. Right now, you are everything that God needs you to be. Right now. Right now, you are everything that God desires you to be, and that's his child. But he goes on to say, but what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And let me encourage some of you today. That you may not know what you will be because it hasn't been revealed to you yet. But one day you will know what you shall be and you will know that you will be like him because you have seen him as he is. And see, the reason why some of us are falling into stuff that we don't have any purpose in is because we don't see God for who he is. See, the reason why we are running into things in our jobs and stuff like that is because we're not trusting in God to be our provider. See, the reason we don't see him clearly and know that he's our provider, the reason why that we rush into the relationships that we rush into is because we don't see God clearly as the lover of our souls. And if we were to see him clearly and know him, then we wouldn't have to rush into no stuff because we would be fine and know and we would see him as he is. But don't worry, it's going to be revealed to you one day. You may not know what you will be because it's not revealed. But we know that when he appears, guess what? We'll be like him. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Anybody want to be like the father? Maybe you're here today and you don't know what I'm talking about. You're like, my mama told me to be an individual. <laughs> yes, she did. And you should do that. But that has nothing to do with the creator-creature relationship. See, when you're talking about created things, yeah, be who God created you to be. But we're talking about the one who created everything. Colossians tells us that. That all things were created for him, by him, and through him. And so, when we're talking about the manufacturer's specifications for us, What I'm calling you to is to live according to those specs. See, when God designed us, He designed us with certain specifications. The first of those is to glorify Him. That's what your specifications are. And so when God calls us to be, what He's calling us to be is He's calling us to be according to His specifications. And we know, according to the scriptures, that he will empower us to do that. He will send his spirit to allow us to do that, to walk in him. But he has given us the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on a cross in our place. See, we, we needed a savior. A chapter later, you're going to find out that Adam sins. What that means is that he violated God's command. He didn't do what God told him to do. And when you don't do what God tells you to do, simple and plain, that's sin. We've got a whole Bible here lined with things that God says do and don't do. And we miss the mark. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so as we prepare our hearts to understand this, I want you to know that God devised a plan before the foundations of the world, because what happens is when we sin, God is so holy that he can't be around our sin. In fact, the scripture says that he has to punish sin according to his just nature. And so, because he is just, he has to punish sin. And because he loved us so much and he knew that we would never be able to pay the penalty that we owed he sent his perfect son into the world to die on the cross for us in our place so that we might have life in him and those people that are clapping they know they understand the reality of what I'm saying and they get the weight of it that we needed a Savior to come and die for us. Maybe you're here today and you sense that the way you've been living your life is not the way that God prescribes according to the manufacturer's specifications. Maybe you're getting a sense that there's something missing in your life. we're all here to proclaim to you that Jesus is the only thing that can fill that void for you. That Jesus is the only one who has the answer for your suffering. Won't you turn to him today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to pray for you if that's you. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, I'm not sure about what you're saying, but I have a sense that I'm a broken man or I'm a broken woman and I need my relationship repaired with God Almighty. He's not the universe. He created the universe. He's not vibes and essence. He's not that stuff. He is the God of the very universe. And you can be in a right standing relationship with him. And scripture says if you would just place your faith and trust in Jesus, if you would believe in him and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he can save you. Is there one today? of the way that I'm living. I'm just striving, trying to do. I'm just doing and doing and doing. Yet there's still something missing in my life. The thing that's missing is the reality of Christ calling you to be his son, his daughter. You can place your trust in him today. God we thank you this morning we give you glory honor and power belong to you God we rejoice in the realities that you have saved us but God we're not satisfied with that alone we want to see you save our neighbors we want you to save our friends we want you to save our family members snatch them from the grip of sin and death and place them in the kingdom of light God do it by your spirit Lord you've called us to be help us to be forget all this doing stuff help us to be who you've called us to be we give you glory